Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no-drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. My God, what a gift this has been to the audience. Oh, God. So funny. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to Literally. This is one of the great podcasts that I have had the pleasure to do. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, Robert Downey Jr.'s palatial estate. I mean, it's it's so Downey. The whole thing is Downey. He's got, I don't even know how to describe it because he, at the end of the day, is kind of indescribable. He, there's only one of him. He is a unique, unique character, as you're about to uh, find out. Happily, I've known him since... Probably I was 15, and uh, my ongoing relationship with him is one of um, the great loves of my life. And uh, it's been a while. We've been trying to get this to happen, to get him on the show, and we did it. It's happening. It's happening right now. Let's go. RDJ. I feel like... You should take control of this podcast. You're probably right. Because you've taken control of everything. We've had lunch. Yep. At your beautiful compound. Had a little property tour. We had a property tour. We captured a lot of content of us getting ready. I thought two guys who have a lot of history forever, mm -hmm. but a lot of our initial uh, forays go back to the 80s. And I thought, why not do two guys from the 80s get ready for a podcast? I think it's good. I, I haven't had this much rouge on since Studio 54 and it's declined. I saw you at Studio 54, and I stopped in my tracks. No, you did not. Absolutely, I did. There was a lot of folks there that night. Cruz was there. You were there. Madonna was there. Cher was there. It was a special night. But I don't know why. I came around a corner, and you were there. That's Cruz right now. <laughs> or might have been Madonna. You got to take it? Uh, no, this we don't need to talk to this person. <laughs> Would it be great if... If Rob took a 10-minute call right hey, now. Hey, I just got to take a call right now. Sorry. <laughs> hey, Downey, just just chill for a minute. I'm sorry. Is that one of our... Is someone calling in? No, no. Don't even trip. <laughs> yeah. So, um, listen, if I want to get three cars across country within a week, <laughs> what trailer place do I have to call? That's what I need to know. Um, okay. So, we first met in history class? That is correct. At SAMO. Santa Monica High School, to be exact. Did you ditch a lot? Because I don't recall you being there a lot. 
I know. I mean, you had a surprisingly good attendance record considering you were working half the time you were in school. It's true. And I was, I was scared to ditch. I was scared. I was such like a good boy. I made up for it later, but I was such a good boy. Like, good boy. I couldn't even imagine. You had a champagne colored Mazda 626 (laughs) that only fresh money could grab you the lease on. That's some real ABC holding deal money. (laughs) Did I just sound like I have emphysema? <laughs> um, brother, I remember you driving by in that car to go into the parking lot, and I was like, well, that's how the other half lives. <laughs> you like, one day. And yes, in history class, I'm surprised that we weren't uh, drawn toward one another immediately. But to answer your initial question, I was in school as infrequently as possible, and I actually managed to figure out how to climb the only super tall fence, Yes, which led out onto Lincoln because that was the only place that hall monitors weren't looking for people trying to ditch school. It had to have been a 28, 30-foot tall fence. I remember it. Yep. So you were happy to ditch. I never understood the pacing <laughs> of school. And I missed a few algebra classes. And when I came back in, I realized I was never going to catch up. Plus, Janae Gravino had a typing class and she was a smoke show. And so I used to drop by there after I was teacher's assistant to uh, Mr. Jellison. Mr. Jellison. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Theater, right? Correcto. Theater 101. See, I was I was being such a little snob bitch then. Well, I was you were like, actually working. That's right. So I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't possibly be bothered with actually with high school theater. I want to say I was jealous, but that's not deep enough. I want to say that I didn't understand how anyone could get where you were, let alone still have attendance in school. It just seemed like There was something so high-functioning going on Mm. that there was no point for me to even attempt to understand it. Well, listen, we're we're wired similarly and also super differently. Like, you would be impossible to pin down, I would think, for for that kind of structure at that point in your life. Yeah, I was a hot mess. I mean, I, I, I was... God, I remember those days. You'd walk by the bulletin board and it'd be like, I'd call Rob, call your agent. And I'd go to the phone booth and call these. Can you imagine what it was like for the rest of us at Samuel High to see that notification for you? <laughs> Take that. I was note. like, Robert, no note necessarily uh, on the board for you. You're fucking suspended. <laughs> Did you go to the prom or anything? I have vague memories of the prom. I remember that senior decided, there's no fun. I'll rent you a fucking tux. Yeah. So I wore a mohair black sateen suit Yes. that I typically only wore when I was singing madrigals at the oh. Santa Monica Place Mall. I was so embarrassed, but I found a black dress shirt and a black tie. So I went to prom like a gangster, I believe with a gal named Kelly McReynolds who understandably didn't like me very much after prom night. Did you, Madrigal, I remember you in Madrigals. You used to throw down in Madrigals. Thanks, baby. For those of you who don't know, Mad, Madrigals is is Latin Latin music, basically. Yeah, it can mean anything acapella. Oh, and, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's like the Whiffin' Puffs. The Harvard's. Whiffin' Poofs. Those, two, those guys, too. Yes. By the way, I don't know why we were talking about Whiffin' Poofs just a few days ago. I love the Whiffin' Poofs. Yeah. The law, the law, the law. I suddenly heard my own breathing. <laughs> <sighs> you're, well, because you're thinking about uh, thinking about speaking from your diaphragm because it's a magical magical training. Yeah, and if the diaphragm slips out, that was always bad. Yeah, we never liked that. Um, then I remember. Do you remember how many political rallies do you think we ruined together? As many as were as we could offered. Do you remember remember when we were on the bus? 100%. Were we stumping for Dukakis? No, we were stumping for California needed to clean up its drinking water. It was the so it was the Caravan Proposition 68 Goddamn. California Clean Water Act. It was Isn't one of the that first astonishing the recall. It was one of the first um 
um, ballot measures ever in California? Well, all I know is um, the long-suffering, fine example of a woman, Sarah Jessica Parker, Mm -hmm. used to attempt to redeem me in some ways. And uh, that would be, come on, we're going to actually do something. You were always aware and active and educated and useful. I know there was a few incidents that seemed to pop to the front of the news where shenanigans happened, but I think it sucks because it takes away from the fact that our generation was motivated, albeit probably all a little bit too far to the left exclusively. But um, nonetheless, there was an ample amount of public service going on. Do you, I mean, listen, I remember getting the phone call. Sarah Jessica probably got it because you guys were together and she would have been the receivee of the phone call. But I getting the phone call from Jane Fonda going, hi, and we, we'd never met. And she'd be like, well, um, I'm putting together a little salon at my house to discuss the Sandinistas. Yeah. And you'd end up over there with like, you know, two Nobel laureates and Daryl Hannah. Tom Hayden. It was like, uh, I mean, it was nuts. It was By nuts. the way, what a winning combo. Anything plus Daryl Hannah. Oh, come on. I'm in. Daryl Hannah, 1983? Yeah. Let's go. I wound up doing um, arguably Bob Altman's worst film called The Gingerbread Man <laughs> in uh, Savannah, Georgia, and really got to know Daryl a little bit, and she is just a delight. 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 I met her when I was doing cla- the movie Class. Oh, yeah. She was living in Chicago with her family still. Wanted to be an actor. Maybe had done like Summer Lovers or something, but wow. was completely unknown. I didn't know who she was. It was um, it was Thanksgiving. They the the Wexlers were nice enough to invite me, and I'll never forget. Daryl w- was wearing a fairy princess outfit, complete with wings. Tell me about this psychological space you go to that reminds you of my Benny shell. <laughs> <laughs> I. You know, if there's a natural place to start the podcast, it's yeah. going to be there. We can always jump back to this other garbage. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, ask me that again? I was walking you through this rather oh, yes, odd and course. fabulous structure okay, we have. Yes. Benny yeah. Shell, and you said you were having a kind of so, lucid dreaming moment. Yeah, so the Benny Shell. Well, first of all, you should describe your your house, the Benny Shell uh, that you have here. The Benny family and Nick Benny most recently does this sort of architecture called pneumoform, where you inflate these construction bladders. You put shot with air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, with gelatin. Um, no, you never know. <laughs> you're right. You know what? I think for the audience, we need to uh, clarify what the bladders are, are being yes. uh, injected. You with. inflate your bladder. <laughs> <laughs> and then you put a stint in it. And bang, you have a house. If anybody just Googles Binny shells, B-I-N-I shells, you'll see what we're talking about. But you came in, I gave, was giving you a quick yes. tour, and you kind of bugged out. I did bug out because, because? I, I've been having a reoccurring dream that I'm in a hallway that looks like a Benny, what I now know to be a Benny shell house. And here you are in, in one of them. It, looked, it looks exactly like my reoccurring dream, complete with... The hallways are not level. Like they're sloped. That's right. Inside the house. You can certainly do that if if you plan for it. Which is, you clearly did. But that's one of the things that's weird about my dream is the doors are, are misshapen doors and the hallways are curved. Yes. And the floors of the hallways are sloped. It, and so I don't know what that means. I don't know what the significance is. Maybe somebody listening who understands dreams can call the, the low line and tell me what, I've been dreaming about. Dude, there's the high line in Manhattan and there's the low line out west. That's right. Mine's more fun. Now, <laughs> best delivery so far. <laughs> All right. We have a, we have a, uh, we have one in competition. I want to say this too for the audience at home. We are wearing our headphones upside down because we got a bit of a blowout from Rachel. Yeah. Downey was insistent that we have full glam makeup and hair. I said, Downey, it's a podcast. It's, yeah. he doesn't care. No, so, content is content. We would give the people what they want. Well, you know, like R.J. Wagner used to say, you got to wear street makeup, kid. He is so... The, the old God Hollywood, old it. Hollywood wore st- with street makeup. You know, Fred Astaire doesn't go out without it. <laughs> and... I was like, oh, thank God, all my peers, I should really pay attention. Yeah, you know, Ruffalo, he, you know, he's always a full face of makeup. Ruffalo, surprisingly, 
is only ever done up when he doesn't have a choice. And our natural. Of course. He looks fantastic. But we have a full face of makeup and hair and we're wearing our our earphones, our headphones with with the, the thing below our chin. It's like chins. a chin strap. My throat is a tiny bit sweaty right now. I hope that's not translating to the uh, listener. I am. Um, I call this Kim Kern style from We Are the World. I think if I'm not mistaken, that how that's how she wore her headphone. <laughs> but by the way, it's to preserve the hair. I that's right. Yes. Once you got the hair right, you don't want to. I'm sorry. I should take this. <laughs> oh, you got somebody? No. You got somebody going on? Oh, it's actually for you. Is that some Marvel shit? You got some, you got some, you gonna break some stories here? Uh, not just yet. You know, you know what I say? Huh. The phone's gonna ring, baby, and I wanna be on, I wanna be, yep. I wanna be on that call. I wanna be negotiating for you. I, I know what your deal is. You do? Yeah. Here's, here's what you do. You Tell go, me. I'll come back and I'll play Tony Stark again for you guys since you fucked everything up. But I want, a gazillion dollars, and I actually know what that number should be. And I want first dollar gross of every ensuing movie. This sounds quite hostile. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> By the way, historically, you are an excellent negotiator, and you're almost always out in front of your negotiations. You are a beautiful advocate for self. Thank you. Uh, across the board. As a matter of fact, as far as I know, you were really the first of us to put down the bottle and pick up the mantle of living a sober, structured life. I think I'm, I mean, I was, yeah, I mean, if not the first one of them, for sure. I remember, I remember Demi Ah, got sober um, after St. Elmo's, to get St. Elmo's fire, she had to get sober. When did that ever figure into anyone's decision pattern in the 80s? I know. Can you, I mean, that's when you could buy Coke on the set. Yeah. Robert, oh, we're doing this less than zero film. We're going to really need you sober for it. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for offering. Yeah. No, they didn't do that. <laughs> they didn't do that. But, but she, back to negotiation. Oh, yes, yes. You truly do know how to, maybe it's just because you know the business. So, well, that was the other thing too. I was like, I figured... And it's crazy, man. You went to junior high across the street from where we're sitting doing this. This is unbelievable. And lo, these many years later, yeah. we are here with a few fabulous uh, furry friends. Yeah. And I just want to acknowledge the closing of this circle and the fact that we've kind of reconnected really over like the last five, 10 years. Yeah. Not that we weren't always happy to see each other and running into each other. Or I'd come up to Santa Barbara, I'd see you, but... There's been something about this post-50 gig yeah. that I feel it's almost like we're veterans. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just been really valuable. Well, and same. You know, I've I've watched you from... I, the first time I remember watching your work was, was it Weird Science? Probably. Yeah. Because we were shooting St. Elmo's on the lot oh, next to you. Dude. And... and I'm going to give you your prop. Your props are coming. Don't worry. I'm Fine. getting, but I'm getting first, your props. But when first, that theme song came out, I was like, this motherfucker's got a theme song. Dude, how sick was that? It's a good theme song. I can feel it. But, but then that little squirt Michael J. Fox beat me out with Power of Love. Oh, God, that was a good one. We had, of course, Oingo Boingo. Weird science, yeah. It's alive! And Weird! <laughs> right? That's what they said. This might just be a soundbite uh, cornucopia. Weird! Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky. Same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. 
You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats, keep my dogs healthy, and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. All I remember is you guys shot some party scene for like 10 weeks. That is correct. That's all I remember. And every beautiful actor yep. was in it. Yeah. Including the guy from The Hills Have Eyes. I mean, th- that was a film that was already meta. And then it had uh, someone from The Road Warrior coming through the party scene. It was very wild. Very. Uh, I remember that. And then, of course, then you work with my guy, Andrew McCarthy. Yes, who we were speaking about glowingly, glowingly earlier. Such a sweetheart. Um, and I just watched that the other day. That I don't. I, that was a studio big summer or spring release. It's so depressing. It's so good. It's it's very it's unflinching. It was not well received. It didn't make any money. Brett Easton Ellis's book was phenomenal. It was the catcher. Less in, than zero. Yeah. Yeah. Less than zero was the the catcher in the rye of my generation. Yes. And McInerney's Bright Lights, Big City, that our boy Michael J. also did. Yep. Was, it might have actually been a better film, but people were just not really into youngsters doing films about books that people already had a vision in their mind for. Yeah. But I do remember that was the first film I ever did where the director took me seriously and required others to. What was yours? Oh, boy. I mean, look, I, I, I start, Coppola did right out of the bat on Outsiders. Right. I mean, because that's just what he, you know, you, he's the real deal. You know now that there's a whole movement toward the casting uh, prep and the whole story behind how everybody wound up in the Outsiders is on the horizon. People are talking about it, wanting to know more about it because it was such a novel casting procedure. Which I... I go down the YouTube rabbit hole with behind the scenes of things. I've been watching Apocalypse Now. And apparently Francis was doing that even on Godfather and Apocalypse where you just have 
every actor you've ever thought of in a room at the same time, everybody reads, and yeah. then, uh, okay, you sit down and you play this and everybody watches everybody before. It was mental. And for young actors now, where I would say this may be the oddest, most fabulous, opportune time to be starting, just to say that there is, was, and always has been a precedent of something that you wonder, like, I wonder if we could be this egalitarian and have these kind of experiences. Whether I get the part or not, I just want, I want to start creating a history where I feel like there are filmmakers, I love that. creators, showrunners, whatever, who actually aren't just about watching self-tapes yeah. oh, and God. looking at, you know, whatever. I no, because, I mean, everybody who went through the Outsiders process even if they didn't get the part, remembers it. It affected them. They learned something from it. It was like you're, you're alluding to. It was an experience. Yeah. Can't, why can't? Why don't we do that on everything? I think one needs a Coppola, whether he, she, or them is in the offing right now. I would imagine so. I mean, yeah. look at there. just yeah, even just this year in film. Um, there's so much re-emergence of real storytelling. Think about this, though. You're amazing at Oppenheimer. Christopher Nolan is the Coppola of our time, right? But he doesn't do that because he doesn't need to. He just has somebody in his mind and calls them up and everybody says yes. <laughs> think about that, though. Like, Francis yeah. could have done that. Yep. And he doesn't ever. I think, you know, not to come at the drop of a name, but I was fortunate enough to have dinner with Spielberg last week. He's the nicest man. And he was just as an offhanded kind of, oh, you know, are you aware of? And he told us the story of how the crawl at the beginning of Star Wars happened. And it was because De Palma was in a screening up in Sanford in the Bay Area where all these filmmakers, you know, Coppola, Spielberg, all these folks were together and just stood up and was like, ah, it doesn't make sense. And where am I? Where in space? Is it the future? And this and that. And so this open forum of discussion with our peers for Coppola, for Spielberg, for, you know, et cetera, was a matter of course because they didn't think not to do that. And I believe that it was also, if we're, let's imagine this is happening now. There's an opportunity for a new generation of maverick storytellers to decide what kind of culture they want to live in and offer others the chance to experience. And um, maybe it's a sign of the times. And also maybe we just don't know about the people who work more that way. But I'm glad that we have that memory and we can bring it into the future as at least an idea or, or say, hey, our version of this was ABC. Tell us what your DEF is. What was the process on Tropic Thunder? It's my favorite movie ever. Oh. Let me say, okay, your performance in Tropic Thunder is, you were nominated for it. Correct. And and, and just, it's unbelievable. I mean, everybody knows. It, it goes without saying. It's become a cliche to say how good you are in it. It's such a cliche that when you watch it again, it's even better than you remember it. I, 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 only I statements. I was even more fortunate to have been um, invited to Norman Lear's for a little wow. uh, shiva last wow. weekend. And then I was looking back at All in the Family, and they had a, uh, a little disclaimer that they were running at the beginning of the show. Um, people should look it up exactly what it is because it is an antidote to this clickbait addiction to grievance that uh -huh. it seems like we have with everything nowadays. But I draw a line between All in the Family and Tropic Thunder in that he said, due to the content of this show, please understand that we're looking at bigotry and racism and all this stuff through a lens that we might laugh at it to understand how pointless, it, whatever it is. I mean, right. you should look up, I don't want to try to- The uh, language is good though. You like the language. Yeah, and the language was saying, hey, this is the reason- that we are doing these things that in a vacuum you could pick apart and say are wrong or bad. And there used to be an understanding with an audience. And I'm not saying that the audience is no longer understanding. I'm saying that things have gotten very muddied. So the spirit in which Stiller directed and cast and, 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 and shot Tropic Thunder in was 
essentially as a railing against all of these tropes yep. that are not right and had been perpetuated for too long. I remember you coming to visit me in Santa Barbara and telling me you had done it and and get and, and give me a little preview of the character. My kids still talk about it. Oh my gosh. Matthew still talks about you sitting out by uh, out by the 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 pool and you giving me a little bit of some trouble. Yo. <laughs> and it blew their minds. Um and I draw a line between that and Putney Swope. Where yes, of course. My, yes. Where my dad had to revoice the lead actor who was black because of a bunch of technical reasons. And um, and so to me, that was a, had something to do with my father and I and the fact that he directed mm. Putney Swope. Wow, I never the, put that together. Of in course the it does. 60s. And then I draw a line for some reason between that and Oppenheimer where I felt like I was... I never met my grandfather, Robert Elias. He was a, a Jew. He did the glass at the Chrysler building. He was a multi-tour soldier in World War II. And I'm sure that he knew what he was fighting for. And he was a very, very principled guy. And I feel like I never met him, but I feel like part of me played him or played an aspect of him as well as depicting Louis Strauss in that film. So... And I'm sure you have a million stories like this too, where it's like everyone thinks this on the surface, but my little kernel of like, what was my either inspiration or yeah. what was the thing that makes it meaningful to me, yeah. et cetera. Um, I remember speaking to you two or three weeks in on Oppenheimer and you were talking about working in a gear. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it was interesting. It was like you, you're working in a gear that you haven't, worked in in a while and like all of we all have our monkey tricks everybody does you don't make it without having your special thing that you do and in this what you told me is my recollection is I'm not doing any of that stuff <laughs> that's what you told me yeah and, I, I tried everything else and then when I watched the performance it's it is it's unlike anything you've done it's unlike it's like unlike anything you've done there's a world in which you don't even know that it's you. It's, I don't know. I mean, it's so nuanced, but still has all of your unique energy that only you have. Like everybody, like there's a downy energy that America, we all love it and we know it when we see it. It's got that, but it's modulated in a way that I've never seen before. And some of it's the age that you're playing, of course, but and it's the the character work, but it, it's spectacular. It's so good. So, so good. Somebody described it. One of your mutual friends recently said, you seen Bobby and Oppenheimer yet? I said, yeah, it's, yeah, I have. He goes, it's pretty great. It's like, I love it for him. I love it for him so much. It's just like he walks in and goes, hey, yeah, yeah, you motherfuckers, you've forgotten? You've forgotten? And just takes his big dick out and puts <laughs> it on the table. <laughs> and there is a little bit of that. It's, <laughs> and, and, and that's taking nothing away from the Marvel world. Nothing. Zero. But mm -hmm. this is like, yeah, yeah, bros. Chaplin. Yeah, bro. It's funny that there's part of all of us that is driven by this need to be demonstrative of what we're capable of. Yes. But I think maybe that's a human condition. I'll say this. Part of what informs whatever we do and in this case, Oppenheimer was, I've never been in a movie ever where the stakes of what were going on in the film were so real uh -huh. before. Yeah. And there was something about that where there was, forget gravitas, there was just a, there was an onus on it to go like, remember what this scene is about? This isn't about how's your voice, how's your movement, how right. are you feeling within the context? Like, this is about, Besides the information age and now the the impending coming of age of AI, it's these two things. It's the extent it's the existential threat of the nuclear age and now the information age. What was Nolan like as a as a director? Like a good dad. However, I didn't know I know my dad. And he was good for me because I'm here with you and everything's okay. Right. So and after the fact, good dad. Yeah. Yep. By the way, if, if you haven't seen 
Senior? Down, Downey's documentary, Senior. Oh. It's spectacular. Oh, thank you. I love that documentary. Your documentary on your father, it just blew my mind. It's so good. It's on Netflix now. Um, if you really want to understand Downey. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Anyway. Does everyone remember everything they did during the pandemic? Because... I know. I kind of do. And I also give myself permission for anything that was a little rough around the edges. I'm in this senior doc and I'm like wearing a beanie and like chewing Nicorette gum. I look completely insane. That's what's great about it. Okay. That's great because there's no vanity. Yeah, I just forgot to be vain. I was sitting at this desk right That's why here. we have makeup and hair on today. Well, by the, the podcast. way, if, if nothing else, I feel like you and I have really you know, stuck it to the new kids on the block. If they have the gumption to get into practically full drag makeup to do a podcast. That's right. Then I got time for them. I'm with you. Um, there was a question in there somewhere. What was it? Uh, we were talking, oh, Nolan. We're talking about Nolan. Oh, yeah. Chris Nolan, I, I tried to describe him the other day. And so I'm going to, I just want to talk about what it means metaphorically. Some people have a gargoyle on each shoulder. One gargoyle is if you approach me with your ego first, you're going to be turned to dust. <laughs> I like it. And the other shoulder is a gargoyle that's sweet. And it says, please come here. If you're not ready and you're not prepared, I'm going to turn you to dust. So both are gargoyles that are meant to keep the uninitiated out of the holy space. And I'm not saying he is the holy space, but I'm saying that he has such a reverence for what he does and very much in the vein of a Coppola and a Spielberg and a name, the great yep. filmmakers, everyone's got their own entree into what it is. His is dedication, discipline, and a commitment to excellence. And those are rarely all in the same place. So going into that space with him was was very life-changing. Well, it's all on, it's all on screen. Are you um excited about what what is uh Tom Hanks call it the trophy run? <laughs> well, you never forget your third time. Um <laughs> Chaplin was great. I was a fucking kid. And kid. the worst thing that could have happened would have been for me to, to win. win. Also, you know, Pacino, Scent of a Woman, I I, I tipped my hat yep. and it was his turn. Yep. Uh, with Tropic Thunder, I was a little older. I was just so busy working. I did Iron Man, uh, Tropic Thunder, and the first Sherlock pretty much back to back. And uh, and Heath Ledger, whom I share a birthday with, um, won that year and yep. more than deservedly so yep. god bless his heart what a once yep. in a generation talent and now between my wife who's the chris nolan of my spiritual uh development yep and chris nolan who's the chris nolan of my artistic development um it just feels like this kind of quintessential moment where it has very little to do with what happens next and a lot to do with just appreciating that us human beings do tend to evolve and grow. And uh, sometimes there's a, there's a feedback loop for that that feels good. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, I'm obviously voting for you. Um, Thank you. Can I, um, can I get confirmation for that? Yeah, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture. I'll screenshot it and take a picture of you. <laughs> Um, Can you imagine if I was on some sort of weird campaign now? Dude, I, I, I won't name who, but there's a very famous TV um, creator, one of the most famous successful, who regularly sends out email blasts reminding people to vote for... Them? Yeah, for, for you know, the shows. Okay. The shows. Well, you got to be, an, like, again, advocate uh, for self. There's a lot of different versions of that. I think yours and mine is more about ultimately it's any instinct that uh, insinuates survival and continuance Yes, is is worth pursuing. Did you ever think when we were trying, you know, in, 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 in one of those clubs in New York area or Save the Robots or 
Danceteria. Danceteria. How about save? What a great name for a club. Save the robots. Save the one. Save the robots oh. that like we're alive. Yeah. And we're sober. And we get to mentor people. And we get to do work we love. We have great wives. Yeah. And kids. Yeah. You, I mean, dude, it's. I just want to do a quick shout out to Cheryl Lowe, who um, we were on vacation somewhere. And Susan was like, I've never been with a gal friend who basically took me in the other room and said, um, get some lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. That's my girl. <laughs> she's a Svengali, my wife. Oh, she's such a badass. She's a Svengali. She did the podcast. And she was unbelievable. Wait a second. She did the podcast. Why are we not just listening to that? You, We're wasting you time. You have to listen to it. Can't wait. Oh, it's everything you think and more. You know, there's a thing occurring recently too, and now you're amongst them where Dax Shepard interviewed one of my favorite humans on earth, Tom Hansen, the entertainment lawyer. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, and love Tom. now I think as a matter of, we need to help sometimes as a, as a consumer I need people to transcend what they believe public interest is and just expose me to things and people and lives that I didn't know I needed to know about. Yes, for sure. Yeah. We've had a couple of guests like like that recently. Nicole Avant came on and told her her story about um, you know, dealing with grief and, and and what happened with her family this year. Oh boy. And it was super um emotional and great. And um I, I don't get to do it as much as I would like, but I, I'm definitely pivoting the show in that direction because, you know, people people know that what they're getting and, and which is great. And it's good to to use that to introduce people to stuff that they might not otherwise. You're good at this. This is natural to you and for you. Right. I feel because I'm curious and, and I like to, you know, I'm connect, I like to listen and I like to learn. I don't think people know that, ugh, I hate to use the I word, but you are an intellectual. You're a very educated and self-educated person than just the experiences you've had. And the, um, and by the way, sometimes it's those turning points too, where we have been out in the cold and said, what am I supposed to learn now? Yes. And I think those things can forge a bit of an, a new version of the same identity that, that is a not so brittle, a little more malleable, but also more capable. Cause, well, thank you. And, you know, we both have had periods in our careers where, you know, things were, we haven't exactly been on fire. Yep. And, um, and that is where you learn. That's where you, where you learn what you're made of. Well, and the funny thing was, you know, I, I finished the Marvel run and then arguably the most important project I have ever done and will ever do was the experience of all the promise uh, with Steve Gagan, who I genuinely yes, believe is a, a, a gifted-ass fella, and me and Susan and all these folks doing uh, Doolittle, and it just didn't work. And I I felt so exposed after being in the cocoon of Marvel, where I think I did some of the best work I will ever do, but it went a little bit unnoticed because of the genre. And I felt myself like, in a way, I did myself a favor because the rug was pulled so definitively out from underneath me. And all the things that I was leaning on as opposed to what my understanding of confidence and security was, boy, did they evaporate. And it rendered me teachable. And the crazy thing is they say, when the student is ready, the Nolan will come. I mean, the teacher will come. <laughs> and that's what happened. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys. 
particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Dot com slash Rob Lowe. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high performance TVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to sixty. In 3.4 seconds, it is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. When people ask me about longevity and doing in, in this business. It's that kind of story that you just heard is, is the crux of the whole thing. And, 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 and that everybody goes their time in the wilderness, hopefully multiple times, because that means you've had a long career. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want. That's where you, where you grow. It's, it, it's, it's hard to learn anything when everything is falling into place and you're on top of the world. Very, very, very tough professionally or personally. I was thinking about this this morning too, because, you know, sometimes folks like to talk about their down and out moments as being that they're definitive. I think it's equal parts. We need the wins, bro. We need those moments that give us hope and confirmation that we're heading in a direction that is viable. And then the ultimate course corrector is a swift kick in the crotch. Yeah. It's the double whammy. The good double whammy. Yeah. Um, okay. We got to do 80s greatest hits. We got to do. Love it. We got to give the people. Yeah. Um, what's a good format for this? I mean, I'll just start with one of the most important people in my life as far as just a first friend and someone who vouched for me and went out of their way to help me feel. He taught me more about how one should comport themselves than anybody. Anthony Michael Hall. Oh. So he's the lead of Weird Science. He's one of the biggest stars in the world. He is a genius level talent. And everyone is telling him that and he's trying not to listen to it too much and he's still very work focused. And he sees me audition for Weird Science. He never takes his eye off me. He practically demands that I get to audition for Saturday Night Live. I get that job. We do a season together. And then shortly after that, I had run out of dough again, as one tends to when you're hand to mouth. And he cast me in Johnny Be Good with him. And it was Uma Thurman's first film. My dad is in that film. Paul Gleason is in that film. Wow. Seymour Cassell is in that film. Marshall Bell is in that film. A lot of 
old school, new school folks. Yep. And uh, and to this day, I'm actually developing something for him right now that I would probably direct a little bit and show up for in him. And and he just had a kid and got me. Oh, it's just that's great. So uh, yeah, the point of departure is Anthony Michael Hall. Full stop. I remember meeting him on the set of Sixteen Candles when he had braces. I, I think I was scouting for <laughs> class or something. And it's that was a wonderful time. All that Chicago. So if you didn't, did, did what did you didn't do any of the Chicago movies though, right? No, except Weird Science. I think we shot at the Skokie Mall. We 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 did do a little mall work, and the rest was all <laughs> it's on <some> mall work, <laughs> and it was great. We did a little mall work. Um, now how close were you with Beatty during the James Toback movie? Uh. Pickup artist, Pick artist was... And Molly, yeah, obviously. of course. Well, that's kind of a, a really odd story because you won't find Warren Beatty's name anywhere associated with the movie The Pickup Artist. That's so insane because I remember as it was all being put together, Warren was my guy. Like, I yeah. wanted to be Warren. He was my fate, whatever. Who did ma- Making this movie and there's a part that I would be perfect for in theory. My phone never rang. And, but it was, it was a war. You, you would have thought it was a Warren movie. Sure. And yet... His name is nowhere around. Well, the long and short of that is in typical super genius fashion. He was trying to get James Toback to finish the fucking script for Bugsy. And part of the way he was cajoling him along was, I believe, getting uh, the pickup artist set up for Toback to uh, direct. Interesting. Um, At the same token, though, uh, here's some memories. I just remember shooting on the streets of, of New York, Upper West Side, Beatty, just his pants, the New Balance uh, low-top sneakers, the Sherry Netherlands hotel room with a perfect little weight set, and the fact that we were on set. He's the first person I ever saw that had micro-sides where they'd been shrunk down to something you could fit into a paperback book, and I was like, oh my God, look what they've done to his sides. And then he got a little Zabar's delivery, and he was having like couscous and just the right amount of stuff. And at lunch one day, pick a topic, as you know. He knows everything about everything yes, he and does. he'll tell you. So I was having a piece of fish and I, I think there was some chopped tomatoes on it. I went to take it, but he goes, never eat fish with tomatoes on top of it. They, they digest it to completely uh, uh, different rhythms. And I was like, note to self, never eat fish with tomatoes. on." <laughs> That's don't you love people like that? Of course. You know, who's like this Travolta Travolta has, great knowledge of life. How could he not? Great not. And like, he's a, like, I want to, I just want to sit on his shoulder and learn from people like that. Yeah. And everyone I know that's worked with Travolta is like, they have come away from it, incorporating things that he brought to the process with them. And that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to be additive to our, uh, our fellows. Duval, give me some Duval, baby. I mean, maybe one of the greatest actors who's ever lived. That yes. goes without saying. Yeah, um, it's impossible. It's impossible to describe how not daunting it was, and yet at the same time you go, "Oh my God, that's that's Bobby Duvall." I wonder if he likes me. A lot of it was just <laughs> that. A lot of it was just we're doing all these scenes, and the scene would end, and he'd smile or go back to his trailer or. Say, hey, we should have a steak. You want to have a steak? A steak. Yeah. He loves good steak. He loves talking about horses, neither of which I'm particularly well-versed in. So I would just like nod my head and I go, yes, steak. Yes, horses. Does he like me? That's amazing. Um, and then the biggest thing with Duval is you work with him, but then you see what he did in plain sight that you weren't aware of when you see the finished product. And you go, wow, dude, this is a absolute master of this craft of screen acting. Because he makes it look easy? Because all the work he does goes into these subtleties where he communicates something that is so beyond the text that you feel it in a way that is, he's talking directly to the viewer and it's really hard to keep that plate spinning. Um, I also think he doesn't take himself too seriously. He takes his work very seriously. And um, also, we created a little family that was Jeremy Strong in one of his oh, first Jeremy. times on film. I forgot and, Jeremy was yeah, in that. And Vince D'Onofrio, oh, geez, what great who guy. is a, a legendary guy. Vera Farmiga, who is—I yeah. I, I, don't—I I don't even know 
who you can compare her to. She's such a singular actor. Um, but yeah, Duval. So we were walking through the Benny Shell, and you go, "What is that?" And he gave me his copy of the script for Mash. That's amazing! And what a gift! I know. It's not just that he gave it to me; it's that there's a little ring stain on it from the coffee he put on top of it after the read through or whatever. And those are the parts of history where you go, the script is a script. Everybody had one, but he was. This was his working script. And that's literally, that to me is as important to me as, as if someone had, like when Norman Lear was, uh, was touring the uh, Declaration of Independence. That's, that's, th this whole vibe today has been so great. I mean, it's been, we've been talking about doing this forever. And, you know, we're both so busy and that we're able to carve this time out to do it and catch up. And I mean, it, it just, it's, it's been fantastic. It really, really, really has. And I'm so excited for people who've seen Oppenheimer and for you to continue to be recognized for it. It's so deserving. It's a, it's a win for the good guys, man. It's just such a win for the good guys. I, I could not be more proud of you and love you so much. Thank you, brother. Meanwhile, now that we know the spot and we basically have lunch, we get all dolled up for no one except yeah, us. Just us. And all the content we grabbed. And then I want to commit to, as long as you do this, love it. I want to be part of your, uh, part of the cadence of it. I would love it. I would love, people are going to love this. Um, you're the best. Love you, man. You are kind and you're easy on the eyes, you fucker. <laughs> Strong hair. It's the hair, the hair, you might, listen, I, I. You didn't say fucking anything about my hair and you're expecting me to come back for episode 200? No, no, your hair, there are times your hair. when I go, oh, Downey's going with that. Interesting. <laughs> There are two people whose hair I track. I track Pitt. Oh, you got to. I track you, and I track Beckham. You, uh, so there's three people. Well, I want to say, too, uh, I will be posting around the time of this. It was a random shot of, uh, of Lowe in the chair getting ready, and it's hard to discern at first glance whether it's him or Brad Pitt. Um, oh. So I'm, I might sneak in some Brad Pitt photos, and I'm going to trick you. It's a Trump okay. Loy. Okay, I like that. Thank you. I like that. That's good. My God, what a gift what a this has been to the audience. Oh, God. They... <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh, so much fun. I hope you guys liked that as much as I did. God, that was, that was, that was great. Oh, there's nobody like him. Love that man so much. Ring, ring. What's that? Ooh, it's the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. Three two three five seven zero four five five one. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi, Rob Lowe. My name is Cheryl Charming, and today is my one-year anniversary of living in Traveling America in a camper van. Oh, my God. I download your podcast, and then I listen to them while driving. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rob, for riding along with me, and thank you for your entertaining podcast. I, re I really, really enjoy it. Now, if you could swap lives with one of your many characters for one day, who would it be and why? And how do you think they'd handle being Rob Lowe for one day? <laughs> Thank you again, Rob. Bye. Oh, wow. What a great question. And what a great life you're leading. I thought you were going to say, if you could swap places with me, where would you want to go in the camper? Because that sounds like you're, you are living your best life. So congratulations. And I'm super glad to be a part of it. Um, all right. So uh, um, it might be fun to be JFK for a day. I played, you know, JFK in, in Killing Kennedy. Um, that would be fun. And I feel like he would have, he would fit in very well with uh, my life. Um, I think that would be a good one. Um, I would have said a, f a few years ago, Sam Seaborn, I would have liked to have gone into the White House, but 
politics being what it is now, I don't really have any desire to do that anymore. Although I could go with Dr. Jack Starts from Behind the Candelabra and see what it would be like to be a pill-addled, stretched-faced, um, B-level Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. That might be kind of a kind of a jam for a day, right? Um, but he would definitely not do well um, with the stuff that I have to do on a daily basis. Anyway, um, thank you for, for listening and um, uh, enjoy the open road. Thank you guys for listening. There is more to come here on Literally. I will see you next time. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Nick Liao, with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Research by Alyssa Grawl, editing by Jerron Ferguson. Engineering and mixing by Rich Garcia. Our executive producers are Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and myself for Team Coco, and Colin Anderson for Stitcher. Booking by Deirdre Dodd, music by Devin Bryant. Special thanks to Hidden City Studios. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more.